When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today I'm going to dive into a little bit of prophetic stuff from Zechariah and how we treat each other. The moral gauge that Zechariah uses for what is good is um, perhaps different than what we might use. The plumb line that he's talked about, the plummet, um, which is translated in the NRSV, not sure why it's translated plummet, but the plumb line or the measuring stick or whatever is being measured against his people by God is measured in this way, how they care for the aliens, the strangers, the immigrants. Um, This is perhaps no surprise to people who have read prophetic literature before, uh, but it's maybe a surprise to people who don't hear this from their church pulpits very often. Uh, The true judgments of the Lord, the widow, the orphan, the alien, and the poor, Um, These are the people that you need to get a letter of recommendation from if you want to call yourself righteous. If you want to say, uh, I'm in good standing with God. If I want to say, I want to go to heaven when I die. You need to get a letter of recommendation from these people. From the widow, from the orphan, from the stranger, the immigrant, the alien, or just poor people in general. Could we get that letter of recommendation from our homeless neighbors around us? Could we get that letter of recommendation from poor people that we know? Um, Or would they say they're just like all the rest? And this is the indictment against his people, against Zachariah's people. And then the other measuring stick, the measuring measurement uh, of restoration, of joy, is the streets being full of boys and girls playing. That's kind of a different measurement for what is a good place to live, a good community. We can be easily annoyed at children and their frivolity. I have three kids and I've known a lot of kids and I've worked at daycares and schools in my life. And uh, they can be a lot. A lot of kids can be a lot. And it's easy for grown-ups to sort of see them as um, needing to behave or needing to be quiet. Um, And yet the prophet is saying that's a sign of something really good when the kids are running around in the streets, when they're out there playing. And we should take note as well. When children visit our church, uh, that should be a, a moment of celebration. First of all, because it takes like two hours to get a kid anywhere. Um, If you see a kid out in public, especially a really little one, there was a lot of preparation that went into that event. It's an event to take a kid anywhere. I'm thankfully to the age where all three of my kids are pretty much uh, are driven by commands only. (laughs) There's not a lot of manual labor that needs to be done uh, just to get them out the door to go somewhere. But there's a lot of emotional labor to get them out the door. You could have a, you could have been filming me this morning 
uh, while I got Hero to on his bike and over to school. You could have filmed that and um, come away with some comments about my methods of persuasion and uh, general attitude towards time and getting out the door. It went pretty well. It went pretty well, but that's an event. It's a little bit of, it's a work. It's work that parents do. And so to celebrate that rather than to see the areas for improvement um, on the behavior of children, because children screaming and running in the streets is a good thing. It's the thing you want to hear. And he says, old men and old women shall sit again in the streets of Jerusalem. If you've ever been to a place where they didn't have a lot of air conditioning and they didn't have a lot of uh, TV, um, or maybe even if they did, people sit outside in the evenings when it gets a little bit cooler. They go out and they sit outside. And they still do that in Jerusalem to some degree. But that is a sign of health too. That's a sign of life when old people can relax. They don't have to work constantly. They have a, a life that is sustainable. They're able to relax and tell stories and watch the kids play in the streets. There is nothing greater than to see young people have fun when you're old like me. That's a good thing to see. And that should be the goal of life, is to have this kind of life. But they don't have this kind of life. They are consumed with their own prosperity and safety, the people of Zechariah's day. That's all they can think about. They have oppressed the widow, the orphan, the alien, the poor. Um, and by doing that, they have created a world where old people can't relax. They've created a world where children can't relax. They are in a constant state of alarm and alert. And this is what these kinds of behaviors do to a culture. They make us fearful of each other. They make us uh, conformist, that all children should be quiet, and that anybody outside, old or even young, but especially the old, are suspect. Not because they're going to steal anything, but because they're not doing something useful. What are they doing there? That seems to be um, the concern of many of my neighbors on next door. A man was walking by the house. <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> it's like a man was walking by down the street, alert. Um, this is the, the kind of uh, security state that we have given ourselves in our concern for prosperity, in our concern for our housing values rising and rising and rising and rising. Um, we have failed to consider the orphan, the alien, the poor, the widow. When apartment buildings are built in a community, that is the sure sign of demise for homeowners, as we call them. Um, this is this is scary when you think about the justice of God. Where are poor people supposed to live if they can't live in apartment buildings? Um, these are the concerns of Zechariah. These are the concerns of God. God is concerned with where people live and how they are cared for and how they are treated and what opportunities they are given in life. If you look back at your own life, and everybody's life has struggle in it. Every one of us has struggle, things that we're not good at, things that we failed at, things that were put in our path that were obstacles. Everybody on this planet is it, that's a human being has had problems, has struggled. And yet, there are certain groups of people that are named by, by, by Zechariah here, the widow, the orphans, the alien, someone who's not from the dominant culture, someone who's not from the dominant, uh, powerful, elite culture, and the poor. Um, in America, 
This has historically been divided on racial lines. The, the, the origins of America um, come from the colonialist movement of England, primarily coming to America and setting up the society that replicated what they left in England, which um, had very different concerns from a multi-ethnic and multicultural society. England had a tiny bit of, of multi-ethnic and multiculturalism going on in the 1600s but not a lot. It was mostly people from a very homogenous um, culture that came here. Uh, when, as immigration increased and new waves of immigrants came, and especially um, when, the, uh, when the Middle Passage became the primary route for enslaved people to be brought from Africa, uh, those, are the, those are the movements that shaped the culture of America. And the white supremacist culture, the white culture that had run things for a long time and made policy and made laws, um, over time got uh, more and more protective, more and more um, concerned with preserving their own wealth, preserving our own wealth. I'm part of that culture too. Um, and so our concern was to preserve that, that wealth that we had in the beginning, that cultural dominance, that cultural influence. Even though everybody's had a hard life um, and everybody has struggles, there are some struggles that are so systemic or so built in, baked into the fabric of American society that it make it really hard for people to have the kind of stability that white people have had for most of the time. That's not controversial. All you have to do is look at the zoning laws from 1960 and see that black people were not allowed to own houses in certain neighborhoods in every single community around the nation. If you, and even if you go further back from 1960 in the North, you'll see the same zoning laws um, that were repealed earlier than they were here in Texas, but still um, had those zoning laws of who could live where. And once you restrict a racial group from owning land in a certain part of town, you restrict them from building capital, from building, uh, to, from their houses being valuable so that when they sell them, they're worth more that's kind of the goal of buying a house is that you can sell it for more than you bought it for. That's sort of the American dream, the American model of wealth building. And if you can't do that, if, if because of your race, you are not allowed really to sell your house for more than you paid for it, um, suddenly you've put a whole group of people in a hugely economically disadvantaged situation. Let alone, that's not even talking about all the other stuff that happens in America but that is the thing that we've been confronted with in America. The highway, I-35, that runs through Pflugerville, um, historically divided the races in Austin. Um, and so the, the legacy of this is still with us. Pflugerville had a colored annex, um, 50 acres where people were of color, black people were allowed to live and they were not allowed to live anywhere else. So you can imagine, they were, they were allowed only to rent that land. They weren't allowed to buy any of it. So you can see right there, baked into the, is the disadvantage. And Zechariah denounces this kind of stuff. He says, if you don't help and encourage and give advantage to the alien, the people that don't have that status that everybody else has, you are defying the word of God. And the God of armies will come to judge. Um, this is what will happen. The whirlwind will blow through the community. And I think what we have seen it's what Dr. King talked about, was the whirlwind that blew through America in the 1960s. Some of you lived through that. Some of you saw that up close. Some of you experienced that. 
And that whirlwind continues to blow as we realize what we have done and what we have left undone. So a time of confession means that we restore um, what people has, what has been stolen from people, what has been taken from them through this kind of zoning um, injustice. And that is what Zechariah is talking about because we want our kids to play loudly in the streets. We want to see kids, other people's kids, play loudly in the streets. We want to see old people having a good, relaxing evening. We want to see that in our culture. We want to see that. And that only happens when justice and mercy is done for everybody, especially the widow, the orphan, the alien, the stranger, the racially different, and the poor. Amen. Most dear son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified. Mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace, through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, who did stretch out thine arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of thy saving embrace, so clothe us in thy spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know thee to the knowledge and love of thee, for the honor of thy name. Amen.